Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I heard of this tweet that went viral as I was thinking about the sermon for this week. Of Jesus' many miracles, the greatest miracle he ever did was having 12 friends. Well, he was in his 30s. That's supposed to be funny. How many of us can say we have 12 close friends? How many of us can say we have one close friend? How many close friends do you have? Now, we have a lot of friends, perhaps, in different ways, in different parts of our lives. Maybe they're mostly found on Facebook. But how many of those friends could we call at 3 a.m. in the morning when we need them? Jesus had 12 close friends, yes, but yet those friends did not always stick by him, did they? In fact, sometimes they ran away. Sometimes they left him alone. Sometimes they didn't understand him. Sometimes they disagreed with him. And even among that 12, we know he had his closest three, didn't he? The three closest, Peter, James, and John. Think about what it means to have that close group of friends, the people that you really keep near to your heart, like David and Jonathan, you love. In fact, our proverb for today says that it's even more than family. Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's our proverb for today. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and how important that is. So the goal of what we're thinking about today is how important it is to maintain and I'm going to use the word cultivate, a close friendship. Why it's necessary in our lives to have Christians around us that know us very well, perhaps better than we would like. But even more so how this, if you're going to understand it properly, begins already with not the people you know, but the God you know. It begins with God. So first, cultivate your friendship with God. Then second, we'll look at cultivating friendships with those who need a friend. Someone in the congregation, in your family, in your community, someone who needs a friend. And then thirdly, to cultivate close friendships in your life. It all begins with God and what it means for God to be our friend. And for God to call us his friend. Can you think of how amazing that is? That God would say, you are my friend. Because there's enough friendships out there that aren't real friendships. I looked on Facebook this week to see how many friends I had. I don't go on Facebook, but it's amazing. Even when you don't go on Facebook for like a year, I still had 239 friends. They didn't abandon me. 
They were still there. But how well do they know me? How well do your Facebook friends know you? We probably know our Facebook friends better than most, but some people have thousands of Facebook friends. Or Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. What's it like to be his friend? It says that he has millions of followers. Now, is that the type of relationship you want to have with God? Do you want to be one among a million that are following him like Mark Zuckerberg? Just a virtual face on your computer that's far away? He doesn't barely even know anybody out there exists on Facebook. Does he know you exist? God's friendship with us is something way beyond that. That's a fake friendship, a fluffy friendship, and there's a lot of fake friendships out there. In fact, if you look at the lives of celebrities in particular, you see how fake friendships can really hurt someone. You listen to songs about what it's like to get rich and famous and how you think you have all these friends, but then as soon as you lose your money, they're gone. In fact, one of my favorite artists is Gordon Lightfoot. Does anybody like Gordon Lightfoot? He has a song called Second Cup of Coffee. And in this song, he sings about what it's like the next morning after he would throw a big party. He liked to throw these lavish parties in his big house, have all these friends come over, they'd party all night, and then in the morning they'd all go home. And so he writes a song, The Second Cup of Coffee, about the day after when he's drinking his second cup of coffee and all the friends have gone home and there he is alone. And he says, sitting alone, my friends have all gone home. They never were around when I needed them. And if I don't stop this trembling hand from reaching for the phone, I'll be reaching for the bottle, Lord, before the day is done. It's kind of sad. All of these friends came over to party with him, but then when the night's over, they're gone. And who's left? Him? The bottle? God wants us to know that his relationship, his friendship with us, is not like that. He's not far off. He's not virtual. He's not just popping into our lives on Sunday to say a few things to us. He's there on Monday. He's there on Tuesday. He's there every day, 24 hours a day, always with us. And this is how close he wants the friendship to be. He came to earth. He took on our flesh so he could really stand with us, so he could experience human relationships. Jesus was with the 12 men and the women who went with him and the children he took up and blessed. He really was with them. And on the night before he died, he said, this is what friendship is, that I should lay down my life for my friends. What closer friendship could we ever have with God than to say he came to earth and he laid down his life for you? And now he's with you in the Holy Spirit, always living inside of you, living in your heart. So cultivate that friendship with God. Work on it. Don't just think of it as something that happens on Sunday. 
but it's something that happens Monday morning. It's something that happens when you're drinking your second cup of coffee. The second thing, then, is to bring that friendship from God in your heart to others. Be a friend to someone who needs a friend. Cultivate a friendship. And this isn't with just the people you like. This is about the people who need a friend. Think about who needs a friend that you know in the church, in your family, in your school, in your community. Is there a new kid in the school? Think about the new kids coming into our school. We have a few of them. Do they need a friend? Someone to sit with and eat hot lunch with because somebody sat with me and ate hot lunch with me and I shared a cookie with them. Who are the people that you could share a cookie with that are sitting at that table alone? Jesus talks about this and he tells a parable. A man comes to him who is an expert in the law the law of Moses, and he's asking Jesus a question about what it means to be a friend. Now he's thinking of it in terms of what do I have to do? Just tell me what I need to do. Do I need to go make this guy lunch? What do I need to do? And who is that person? He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do the commandments say? Well, he knows the commandments. They say, love God and love your neighbor. So he already knows the commandments, but then Jesus says, okay, go and do that. The man says, well, who is my neighbor? Now, in that word neighbor, I think we can think in the terms Jesus is talking about and in that culture, because our neighbors, we're not really sure who our neighbors are. We don't even walk across the street to meet them. They might walk their dog by, but we don't know them very well. Neighbor is basically friend. Someone close to you that you can be a friend to. Who is your friend? So Jesus tells a story of a man who was hurt and wounded and beaten and left for dead by thieves on the side of the road. He's laying there on the side of the road, dying, and along comes a couple of religious leaders, people who are in charge of the church. And they're walking down that road, and they see the man dying, but they know if they get involved in this, where's it going to end? He's probably dead already. Plus, there are religious laws about touching a dead body or being close to death. And as religious leaders, they're supposed to keep themselves pure from death and any kind of religious defilement. So they pass on by. The first one passes by. The second one passes by. And then a third man comes along. Now you expect the third man to be just a regular old Jewish common person, but it's not. It's a Samaritan. And in those days, a Samaritan to them was like what I might say to you. An Arab comes walking along. What do you think? Or picture someone that you just would be the most unexpected person you could ever imagine coming along. An Arab comes walking along. And he takes that man who's wounded and dying. He carries him along on his donkey, brings him to a hotel, 
checks him in, pays for his stay, and says to the person who's there, if he needs to stay any longer, I will come back and pay it. He bandages his wounds. He helps to heal him. Maybe he prays with him. And in the end, Jesus doesn't ask the question, who is your neighbor? He says, who can you be a neighbor to? In other words, it's not who is your friend, who's not your friend. It's who can you be a friend to? So cultivate a friendship towards someone who is in need of a friendship. Someone who is alone, someone who's hurting, someone who needs you just to say hi more than in a general Facebook way, but in a genuine way. The third thing that we want to cultivate then are our own friendships, because while we might try to reach out and help people, if we're doing that all the time and no one's ever coming to help us, we're going to run out of energy. So cultivate friendships here in your life, close friendships, valuable friendships, Friendships like in the Band of Brothers, a story of soldiers during World War II who banded together and did some very, very difficult missions. They lost some of their friends, and they saw it through to the very end of the war. There's something in a friendship among men who fight together in war that lasts a lifetime, doesn't it? I was reading a story in one of my Louis L'Amour books where he's telling of this father and son who are on a train and they're traveling along this train headed west. The boy's mother has died, the father's lost his wife, and it's just dad and the son and they're traveling west trying to get away from the memory of what happened, but they don't know anyone. And they're riding on this train not knowing anyone who's there, and then the train stops. They get out to see what's happening, and there's a brush fire ahead, and the grass fire is coming toward the train. So everyone gets off the train, and they have to deal with this brush fire. There's water nearby, so some people are grabbing water, and they're soaking down the train. Others are trying to light counter fires so that the grass would burn into the fire, and there'd be nothing more to burn. And they fight that through the night until finally the fire dies out and they survive. And he makes a point in his book after that's over to say that these strangers were never strangers again. These people who didn't know each other at all were never strangers again because they had lived through an emergency crisis. So you think of things like war, crisis, tragedy, and the things that when we respond together, we're never strangers again. That lasts a lifetime. So if you want to cultivate close friendships, it means that you're going to have to go into battle. And the battles that we fight are spiritual. We're fighting them together. We're facing them together. When David and Jonathan were bonded together, and it says they loved each other's souls, it says they hugged each other and they even kissed each other. Now, in those days, a kiss like that was common. 
among good friends. But we get kind of scared away from that because we're hyper-sexualized and hyper-masculinity is, is out there. We don't know what it's like to hug another man. In those days, that meant a close friendship. And David and Jonathan had been through battle, but not just the battles out there where they were warriors on the field, but the battle inside where you had spiritual warfare. A father who was possessed and wanted to kill David. David, who was supposed to be the future king of God's people. And Jonathan stuck in the middle. And Jonathan had to so carefully work his way through that to honor his father, but be close to his brother. It's those kind of trials that we live through when we find out who our real friends are. And it was a genuine friendship, a love. It's not easy to cultivate those kind of friendships where you could call somebody at 3 a.m. But those are the ones that God wants for you in your life. Not a lot of them. You don't need to be friends with everyone in the world. In fact, this proverb says, a, command, a man of many companions may come to ruin. Because you could have a, be popular with a lot of people, but be missing out on that really important three friends. So there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Of Jesus' many miracles, perhaps the greatest was having 12 close friends while he was in his 30s. But there is a greater miracle than that. It's that he is your friend. Greater love knows no one than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus has cultivated the greatest friendship with you. He's laid down his life for you. He's redeemed you. He's saved you. And all that you need to know about friendship is going to be found in him. Draw closer to him and you will see friendships growing as you draw closer to each other. So this week, I want you to think about that. Think about how you can cultivate your friendship with God. Think about one other person you can be a friend to. And then think about one person you can cultivate a close friendship for yourself. Amen.